welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, James Politilo, and the team at The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week, we're exploring how lean principles and approaches can contribute to a learning culture. I am delighted to welcome Olivia Chalmers to the podcast. Thank you for joining us, Olivia. Do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for inviting me here today, James. It's really exciting to be on the podcast with you. Um, so my name is Olivia Chalmers and I'm a business change manager working for a company called Continuous Improvement Projects. So Continuous Improvement Projects is a boutique consultancy specialising in uh, problem solving, change delivery and continuous improvement through application of Lean Six Sigma principles. I've been working for continuous improvement projects for about two and a half years now and loved every second of it, of course. Um, prior to joining, going right back to the start, really, of my background, I didn't want to go to university. So I reached out to an old friend to <laughs> inquire if he sort of knew any job opportunities that um, he thought that I'd be suitable for. I'd done work experience with him previously and I was recommended into a continuous improvement coordinator role. So straight away from starting my career, I fell into a, a bit of a continuous improvement role. And that was for a very big facilities management company. And what I'd sort of do on a day to day basis is go around the business working with different clients and essentially try and um, try and improve the services that were being provided. So the very first contract that I worked on was losing about £300,000 a month. Um, so trucked right in the deep end to try and find some improvements, some efficiencies and try and reduce some of that, some of that financial loss. From there, I then was promoted into a change manager position in a different part of the business. So this was within a customer operations part of the business. So essentially the help desk function. And in that role, again, I focused on delivering change, improvement and transformation, trying to improve the service that was provided to customers. Following my uh, time there, I then, in the same team, was promoted into a quality and compliance manager. And that was a really exciting role. It was completely new for me because I had to recruit a team um, to work for me as well. Um, and we essentially had to set up a training function for the help desk. And that was really exciting, something really new to me. I had to basically recruit the team. I had to create a strategy and pretty much set off from a blank slate. And then gradually, once that had been established and became a bit, a bit more BAU, business as usual, I started looking for something with a bit more variety, which is why I then decided to join Continuous Improvement Projects because the element of consultancy and going to work with lots of different clients on lots of different projects is something that I find really exciting. I'm one of these very strange people who loves a bit of change in my life. I think most people <laughs> are probably quite averse to it. Um, and I definitely I love the variety. I love knowing, you know, that I could be somewhere completely different in six months time. Yeah, so I, th I think it's, you know, it's great to be one of those people who loves change and loves a bit of variety and going into new situations, you'll be constantly learning, you're looking to how you can apply what you know, how you can help that business improve. And one of the things when we were talking about you coming on the podcast, you wanted to sort of bring to life was 
some of those principles about Lean Six Sigma and how they can help in learning. Now, some of our listeners will be working in organisations or cultures or of work with Lean Six Sigma. Other people may have heard of it and not really know what it is, and some people you know, may never have heard of it before. So do you want to give us a bit of a, an insight into what is Lean Six Sigma and why should we be interested in it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, honestly, you'll be surprised to know that most people do practice Lean Six Sigma on a day-to-day basis, um, probably, but without connecting the dots that it is Lean Six Sigma. So Lean Six Sigma is essentially a business philosophy um, and Lean and Six Sigma are actually two different things that have been combined into one business philosophy because actually they do go hand in hand. So the lean element is essentially a concept of efficiency and it was stemmed from the Toyota production system um, back in the sort of mid 20th century. And it's all about delivering value for your customer and making sure that you're continually improving and providing an efficient service with the least sort of wasteful processes as possible. And then on the other hand, you've got Six Sigma, which is all about reducing variation within a process. So getting a bit more standardization and throughout your business and throughout your processes. Um, So obviously the two going hand in hand in terms of delivering value, making sure there's efficiencies there and reducing variation within processes. And initially, Lean was sort of just viewed as a bit of a tools and techniques portfolio. And now it's sort of understood to be much wider than that. And it's actually a business philosophy that, you know, you can create a culture of lean within an organization. Um, And some people call it, you know, a mindset. Some people call it a culture. Some people call it a philosophy. But, you know, the general gist is that actually it's much broader than just tools and templates that you'd sort of use on a day to day basis. So in terms of uh, examples that, that the listeners might find helpful to sort of connect the dots, with what they may be doing on a day-to-day basis. And I'll talk through some of the actual techniques that are my favorite out of the big portfolio. (laughs) Um, So say that that you've got a process and there's something that's going wrong in the process. So you essentially start off with a problem statement. Defining that problem statement is really important. So if I take the example based from my facilities management experience, of an engineer potentially not getting to a job quick enough, which is resulting in maybe lots of customer complaints. So the problem statement for an organization might be that we're getting a really high volume of complaints from our from our customer. And that is the problem statement. And Lean Six Sigma has got a number of different tools to help you analyze that problem statement and drill right down into understanding what the root cause is And in Lean Six Sigma, it's really important to understand what the root cause is and not just the surface problem, because you want to make sure that when you are working on your solution, you're fixing the problem at its root. You're stopping the problem from happening, meaning that you're not just, you know, applying a a bandage over it. So coming back to this example of clients complaining a lot because, um, you know, a lot of calls into a help desk, for example, there might be a lot of client complaints. So the two techniques that I'll sort of talk through are the five whys, which most people do on a day to day basis without realising it. And then the process mapping activity, which is my absolute favourite. So in terms of the five whys, it is pretty much about regressing back to your three year old self 
and, and pretty much asking why against every statement. So in the example of a client that is complaining a lot about a service, the first thing that you'd ask is why? Why is the client complaining? So for example, they might be complaining because an engineer hasn't been able to resolve a job on time. So I don't know, maybe a sink's broken and they're complaining. So the engineer hasn't been able to resolve that job on time. Why is that? Well, if you then break it down to the next level of detail, it could be, well, the engineer just can't get there quick enough. And again, you need to ask why. Why can the engineer not get there quick enough? And it might be that because the location of the problem was nowhere near where the engineer is based and there weren't engineers in that proximity to that um, incident. Therefore, obviously, it took longer for them to get there. And once you've asked why enough times that actually, you know, you're starting to really realise what the problem is. So in that example, where actually there's no engineers close by, that's when it becomes something internal, an internal process that is within your control to resolve. So at the top level, you've got a client complaining. Unless you find out the root cause of that problem, you're not going to be able to resolve it. So once you've established, for example, that an engineer is not close enough because there aren't any within proximity, then what you can do is take that away and review your internal processes. And maybe you want to look at the ge geographical spread of your engineers, or maybe you want to look into some data on where incidents tend to be happening most frequently. And, you know, you might find a trend that maybe around central London and most incidents. So you'd cluster your engineers there um, and then sort of take them out of the areas where there's not as much volume or where you might have, um, you know, easier SLAs to meet. So you're allowed to give them more time to get there. So that's where the five whys becomes really helpful. And it's something that's so basic and people probably do do on a day to day basis, but without connecting the dot to it being a Lean Six Sigma tool. So five whys all about regressing back to your childhood state and being that annoying person that always asks why. <laughs> And then you've also got a process mapping activity, which I think personally, I should probably be a post-it sponsor because the amount of post-its that I have stuck on my wall in all these process mapping activities, um, you know, it's like creating a piece of artwork. I do joke about it sometimes. So taking that same example where we've got a client that has complained, what you could do then is bring a number of stakeholders into a room, a number of people that are involved in the process to get an engineer onto a job and map out logistically, step by step, what are the steps of the process involved from receiving a customer job, a customer query, the sink is broken, to getting that engineer there on site. And what you can then do is using your post-it notes on a, on a brown sheet of paper, you stick up the process steps until you've got your as is process. So this isn't what, what should be happening and what's the best way to do it. This at the minute, is what is happening today because you want to know where it's going wrong and what you might find once you've completed that and once you step back and take a, a whole end-to-end -end view of the process is that there might be a lot of inefficiencies within that process so if i just give the example of async being broken so someone might take that call and i'm completely making this up now by the way um, but the process might be that someone on a help desk takes a call they find out the location of a job they might then call a supervisor of the engineering team, let them know about the job. The supervisor then might call the engineer and ask them if they're in the area. The engineer can confirm or even say, no, sorry, I'm not in the area. 
back to the supervisor who has to find a different engineer. And then once the engineer has been found, the supervisor might feed that back to the help desk who can then confirm back to the customer. And what you might find actually is that there's a lot of back and forward there. There's a, there's a middleman there who probably doesn't really need to be there. And what you find is that the time it's taking to undertake every single one of those steps could be reduced if you take some of those steps out. And that's where we sort of talk about non-value adding steps. So in that very complex process with a middleman and back and forward conversations, what you'd be able to do is take a step back, look at what is not adding value and any opportunities to streamline that process. And what you can walk away with is a process, a process that says, OK, well, I've received a job from a client. I've checked the location. How about we um, give all engineers a mobile device where we can track GPS, log on to a system and instantly find which engineer is there. We can check on their um, PDA, their mobile device, to see if they're already on a job, the importance of that job. And then you're able to make that decision of whether there is a suitable engineer there and then with the data that you've got in front of you without having to go to a supervisor, without having to call an engineer and check that they can attend. It's a much more streamlined process. So that's two examples of techniques that I use on pretty much a day to day basis to try and find opportunities to understand the root cause, to make sure that I'm identifying the right solution to a problem by applying two very basic Lean Six Sigma tools. I think that's, you know, really interesting in terms of trying to spin that across into learning professionals, because one of the age old problems for people in learning is they get presented with problems and proposed solutions. So just taking your example, and it's a little bit tenuous, but you've got a problem with a customer and, you know, in some businesses you'll get uh, we're getting lots of customer complaints. Therefore, we need to do customer complaint handling training or we need to do customer care training for all of the you know the engineers or all of the help desk or whatever without understanding that the process and the tools that they're operating within are the things that are causing the problem not their actual skills or abilities to to interact with those problems so i think going back to when i was working in in-house learning roles a lot of what i was seeing is your role was almost by default not to look at training as a solution it was always to you know, be that annoying three-year-old and ask all of the why questions to to go back and try and understand what what really is the problem here. Why why is this being presented as an issue? And that could be anything from, you know, our new starters aren't staying to, through to our MPS is down or whatever it happens to be. So there will normally be a presenting issue, and it's then having that ability. And you know, it's being badged now in in learning as performance consulting. To me, it's just asking some good questions and it's nothing particularly different to what lots of people, as you said, people will be using these techniques without thinking about it. So if you are being presented or in a, in a culture maybe where you're getting presented a problem and a solution alongside, how, how do you build that sort of confidence and how do you take the stakeholders with you to, to maybe take a different approach of they need to start thinking in problems in a different way? Yeah, and in terms of taking those stakeholders on a journey with you, I find quite often that something absolutely fundamental to lean is about knowing what value is to your customers. And I actually think that's quite commonly missed. It's quite easy to make an assumption of what is value to your customer and what they perceive as value, but it's actually 
wrong to make that assumption without the engagement with your customer. So you might think you're resolving a problem, but actually the outcome still is not what your customer perceives as value. So in terms of taking that stakeholder or your customer along on that journey with you, I think it's, as you say, about fundamentally identifying the root cause of a problem. But alongside that, in terms of what output you want to achieve, you need to understand and work with your customer to be able to define what is value. And until you know what value is, you don't really know that the process that you're implementing or the thing that you might be fixing is actually going to have the effect that you want it to have. I'm sat in that organisation. I'm looking at trying to understand value or I'm trying to, you know, get the organisation to think differently rather than me going, OK, what the customer wants is, a, you know, a return or someone on site within two hours. But what they may want is someone on site as quickly as possible who's skilled, able and equipped to fix a job. They, they probably don't care about some of those interim steps. So how, how do you start to unpick and, and get back to customer value? Lean Six Sigma's got a really good tool called Voice of the Customer, basically. And it's some of the things that we've already touched on. So the voice of the customer, what is your customer telling you? So in the example I mentioned earlier, where the customer is saying, someone is not getting to me quick enough, that is, um, that is the voice of the customer. That is one of the problem statements they're telling you. So what you can do is you can take the voice of the customer, take the information that they're telling you, and you can then translate that into a critical to quality criteria. So you basically end up translating it into an SLA. So if the customer is saying to you, so-and-so, you know, the engineer, they're not getting here quick enough, then how do you make that measurable? How do you make that something which is valuable, but it's tangible so you can evidence that you are adding value? So what you might do in that example where they're saying an engineer is not getting there quick enough, you can then work with your customer to translate that into a measurable SLA. So what is what is quick enough for you? What is what, what would you deem as success? So they might be saying, I'm expecting the engineer to be able to get there within one hour. And then that becomes an SLA and a target that you know that is really important to the customer because they're complaining about it not happening. You've been able to make it something tangible and you're able to then measure against it. So in that example, if you were to measure against it, you would obviously find that you're exceeding the two hours because your customer's not happy. So then you're able to set that benchmark and then you're able to look at your process, look at your five whys, understand where the problems are within the process, where there's waste and inefficiency. And then you're able to streamline the process and set yourself that target of I now know that to meet my customer requirements and to understand what is value for the customer, value for them is attending a job within two hours. Therefore, that is my target. And there's lots of different examples, you know, not just about um, about timing, but they could say, oh, I'm getting frustrated because a job never seems to be fixed first time round. Or, um, you know, I have to keep calling up multiple times before I can get through to anyone. And there's lots of verbal information, which is so, so insightful, as long as you're able to translate it into something that you are then able to actually benchmark and measure against. And that's what's so great about Lean is that it is very evidence based and data driven. So all of the tools and the techniques that you get, once you implement them, you're able to define what the problem is. You're able to set your measure and your benchmark, analyze your process, 
you're then able to improve that and then you need to put the, the controls in place to ensure that you can maintain it. So once you've set your SLAs, how are you going to make sure that you continuously meet them? And that framework that I just talked through there in terms of define, measure, analyze, improve and control, that's called a DMAIC framework. And that is really common. And again, a lot of people probably follow that framework without connecting the dots into Lean Six Sigma. So in terms of identifying voice of the customer, right back to the point that you that you mentioned, it's all about, you know, taking the information they've given you, understanding what they're telling you, what is important to them, translating it in something that is critical to quality and making sure that it is tangible and something that you're then able to measure progress against so that you can evidence that you're adding value and you can identify the areas where actually you're not achieving what you should be achieving. And that's where you need to focus your time and energy on improving. Uh, and I really like that we're sort of working through examples to talk about where those tools work, how they can be applied. But let's sort of just bring it back up again and, and talk about one of those points you mentioned at the beginning about culture and mindset or philosophy. And, and one of the things you touched upon was this continual improvement culture. So how how do you really embed that in in some way using lean and six sigma principles or and and how does that sort of create this continual learning that we've been talking about as well so there's this um a management philosophy called the toyota way which funny enough is uh with the toyota company and it's a set of principles and behaviors that essentially underline the toyota managerial approach and production system so Toyota are sort of their absolute leaders in in lean they sort of live and breathe it on a day-to-day -day basis and the Toyota way is a book by Jeffrey Leica and it's one of the most influential books about Lean Six Sigma out there and it it delves right into the detail about how Toyota is able to drive inefficiencies out of their processes so in terms of the Toyota way it's fundamentally based on two pillars. So the first pillar is continuous improvement and the second pillar is respect for people. And those two pillars fundamentally outline their whole managerial approach um, and it's very lean focused. So looking into the continuous improvement pillar, you've got some segments that, that sit under there. So you've got something called go see and that is all about Something has gone wrong in the process, like we mentioned earlier. Go see is about actually going to, basically going. So in terms of Toyota, they have, say, a production line. Say if something's gone wrong in the production line, they will go there and they will stand there right where it's happening and go and see where the problem is. And that is all about learning on the job. So it's not about taking a bunch of directors and sitting in a boardroom and discussing where the problems are going wrong. It's about learning on the job and learning by doing. So you have to go to where the problem is happening and really try and pull it apart to understand why it's happening. And again, go through that root cause analysis to make sure that what you're identifying truly is the problem so that you don't end up putting in a fix that doesn't actually fix anything. And then alongside go see, you've also got Kaizen. And Kaizen basically means improvement. And what I really love about Lean is that it's not about making these huge improvements, going to sit in a room, spending ages planning and then doing this big launch of a new process. Kaizen improvement is all about 
daily improvements. So it's about small fixes and small changes and improvements that you can make on a daily basis. And that's why it's called continuous improvement. And that is such a huge factor for, for Lean Six Sigma and continuous improvement is that you don't have to spend ages planning. You actually spend most of your time doing and you're learning by doing. Um, and that's that's the whole culture around Lean Six Sigma. It's about this continuous improvement. And how can you continuously improve unless you are continuously learning? And that's where I think Lean and a learning culture absolutely go hand in hand. And that's why I think a learning culture is so important in becoming a lean organisation. Because unless you can empower at every level to practice daily Kaizen and to practice, you know, daily continuous improvement and understanding the root cause of problems and making these very small fixes on a daily and continuous sort of journey, how can you ever become a lean organisation and achieve that unless you are continuously learning? And I was recently reading this um, research paper published by CIPD, um, which is all about learning culture, basically. And they called out that learning culture is about empowering learning at all levels. So you need to support individual learning and transformation. So literally on an individual level, in individual level. And then above that, you need to be able to empower team learning. So encouraging your teams to learn and reflect on their work. And that's a much more sort of collaborative view of things. And then at the highest level, you also need to create that culture and that empowerment at an organisational level. So does the organisation have a willingness to learn and improve from the wider business? And to be able to become a lean organisation, I think you absolutely have to have that culture at all three levels because you need an organisation to, you know, have a willingness to learn, a willingness to adapt and a willingness to change and continually improve. At a team level, I think it's also really important because the whole sort of thing around teamwork is that you're striving together towards a common goal. So you can't have some people in a team really driving continuous improvement and other people being you know, completely adverse to change, the culture has to be there at a team level. And then at an individual level is probably where it's hardest to achieve because what you're trying to create in terms of culture is an environment where it is safe for someone to say, oh, I think there's a better way to do this. And for someone, you know, their colleagues, their line managers, their peers, their mentor elsewhere in the organization to say, do you know what, that's a good idea let's give it a go, let's learn by doing. And it's that sort of daily churn of conversations around what could we do better? How can we improve this process? It doesn't have to be something huge, it can be something really small, but it has to be continuous. And that's where I think the learning culture and lean organisation absolutely goes hand in hand, because as I said earlier, how can you continually improve unless you are continually learning? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, because again thinking about what we talk about it is getting you know learning is about doing things trying things testing working through new ways of doing things it's about stepping back reflecting on what you're doing but if i think back through my career so often you see people almost struggling with their processes so they're given a broken process and they're 
you know they know it doesn't work or they don't really know where the next stage of that process is and they're handing off something or they they don't speak to the people in the previous stage of the process to go actually if you just gave us that in more information here would mean we could provide a better result to the customer and it's amazing how many people don't feel empowered to be able to a, even think about those things. They just sort of fall into this and maybe maybe you notice it when you start a job, but after a while you just don't start noticing the weird workarounds you've got to do or the inefficiencies in process. So what have you seen that works in terms of getting teams to really change that way of thinking if they're not there yet? I think what I find most common in terms of those sort of challenges around the process is that very often teams are working in silos and if you've got a process that flows across multiple teams and something's going wrong, the most important thing is to get everybody in a room. And it does take some time out of your day. But actually, I've never had one of these sessions where at the end people aren't like, my gosh, that was really valuable. Because what you have to do is you have to bring everyone into a room in a very informal environment. And it comes back to this post-it process mapping activity, which I talked about. and it basically takes a blank sheet of paper and you say, right, what are you doing today? What is your day to day process and capturing the as is? And what you find then is because you've got lots of different teams in the room, it's almost eye opening for some of them who haven't seen the end to end process. And they say, oh, I didn't realise that you were having that problem because of what I was doing here. Or I didn't realise that actually there was a problem elsewhere in the process. And that's why I'm having this frustration here. So getting everybody in a room together at sort of all different levels of sort of um, responsibility within the organisation. Um, but I think the most important thing is to have a rule, you know, if you're going to have leadership team and you're going to have sort of operational teams, there has to be no level of authority within the room. You sort of leave that at the front door because what you want to do is create that safe environment for people to be able to call out where there's a problem where they think something can be done better without feeling you know like a bit of a blame culture like they're going to get told off almost for calling out that there's a problem so you have to be able to come into this room and this workshop with a really open mind and you're going to meet new people in the organization that actually you do work with you've probably emailed them a few times but you've just not realized just how much your process your end-to-end -end process is reliant on each other and then what you're able to do then is as you identify that there are challenges within the process, you've then got a number of people who are able to get into a discussion around that. So what's the impact of this problem that's happening in the process? Why do we think that problem might be happening? And there might be a few different views and that's OK. And that's when you can then go down the five whys route to understand the root, the root cause of the problem. And I think it's just about getting everyone in the room together everyone to sort of look at this end-to-end -end process because at the end of the day you may be working in silos and you know a finance team might have their chunk of work to do um, an operational team might have their chunk of work to do and a learning and development team might have their chunk of work to do but at the end of the day if the process end-to-end -end goes across all those different teams you really have to be able to resolve it together and I think that's that's one of the great things about Lean is that it gives you the tools to be able to work through it in a very structured but also flexible way. So it gives you tools and techniques that you can use, but it's not like a textbook, you have to do it this way. It just gives you some, some sort of framework and some ideas and gives you 
the right questions to be able to facilitate that conversation and really get down into the detail of what's not working and what is the right solution. And I don't think you can ever really resolve a problem unless you've got all the different teams in the same room at once. No, I think that's very true and getting those people together and, and getting everyone focused on it can really help. You've talked about a lot of sort of principles and tools. So, you know, you've talked about five whys, go and see various different things within that. As we're talking about learning, is there anything specifically mentioned in the philosophy about learning or approaches to learning or is that just sort of around the edges? To be honest, I think um, I wouldn't say that Lean is about classroom, uh, classroom learning. Definitely it's about learning by doing. But to be able to get an understanding of the principles of Lean and to understand what tools you can use on your day to day job, there are some uh, Lean courses that you can do. So it sounds a bit like karate because you get your coloured belt. Um, but essentially you work through white belt, which is for absolute sort of Lean novices. Um, you've then got yellow belt, which is people who are probably are aware who do a bit of it in their day to day job, but have never really connected the dots. You've then got green belt, which then goes into a lot more of the statistics and sort of analysis of Lean Six Sigma. And then you've got black belt and master black belt, which then take it to the next level of detail into statistics and it becomes really evidence based. So there is classroom learning which obviously consists of exercises and activities, we actually deliver the yellow belt training to our clients to try and help create that culture of, you know, what tools can you take to a workshop? If you've got a problem, how can you find out the root cause and how do you solve it? So you can get the tools and techniques in a classroom session, but in terms of creating a lean culture, I think once you've done that first educational piece and, and you've had your classroom session on what is it to be, you know, a lean Six Sigma yellow belt practitioner, you can then take that away. And in terms of creating the culture of lean, it is about empowering at all levels and knowing that you can challenge a process and improve a process on a day to day basis. And actually there, that's when the culture of learning becomes learn by doing and go and see. It's not about, um, you know, taking something away into a into an office and discussing it for ages and planning for ages. So in terms of learning within Lean Six Sigma, the main focus is all about go and see, learn by doing um, small, small steps and small improvements, that daily Kaizen that we talked about on a day to day basis, learning becomes a part of the day to day. So I think in terms of helping processes improve, empowering people to enhance how they work, that's really, really clear. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here and think Maybe I'm in a type of environment that is less process driven. You know, maybe I, I you know, some organisations almost rail against process, you know, and you've talked about, you know, thinking to Toyota, you want a consistent car pushed out. But imagine you're in a more creative organisation where every output is different or something like that. Where, how do you think they could apply some of the principles or what are the most important things that maybe they can do to add value back into their organisations? Yeah, so absolutely. Maybe every organisation's not driven by process, but every organisation will have problems. And I think in terms of defining your problem statement, um, you don't have to necessarily go into process details, but what is your problem? So I don't know, let's take an example of a more creative organisation. 
every organization is going to have problems, whether it's to do with profit, people, processes. But obviously, in this example, not so much. There are always going to be problems in organizations. And I mean, if there's not, then well done to them. <laughs> but there will always be problems. And there's so many tools within Lean Six Sigma of how to break down a problem and resolve it. So there's something called a fishbone analysis, and it pretty much looks like a skeleton of a fish. <laughs> it's pretty um pretty gross. And at the head of the fish, you've got your problem statement, um, and whatever it is within the organisation, you know it could it could be anything really. And then basically you've got a number of lines which make it look like a skeleton of a fish that that come out of the head, and you basically break it down into different categories, into different headings. So say you've got a problem statement of receiving a lot of client complaints. With this fishbone analysis, you can break that down into different categories. So you can have a process category, a people category, um, a systems category. And then what you do, it's, it's a really good tool for brainstorming because what you're able to do is, say you take a system category, you've got your problem statement, you've got a heading of system, and then you just brainstorm, what's the system that we're using? Are there any limitations with the system that are sort of leading into this into this um, problem statement and then what you end up doing with all those different segments of the fishbone diagram is you've ended up taking a problem statement and by going through that process and looking at your different sort of categories of issues you're sort of forcing yourself to think you know a bit less narrow-mindedly so say like you've just said maybe not everything's about process so let's take process out the equation completely on your fishbone diagram you might have people OK, well, if I've got a lot of complaints, what is it to do with the people and, and the team that I've got that might be leading to complaints? So that's where you might go down a path of maybe it's to do with the training that we've provided or maybe we need to sort of review our people strategy or provide some better upskilling opportunities. Or maybe it's even to do with morale. Maybe there's a big piece to do about morale and engagement within the teams. You then might have systems and you think, OK, is our system as optimal as it can be or is that leading to some of the problems? So that's another example where it actually doesn't have to be all about process. I've probably just spoken about it a lot because I'm a bit of a process geek. <laughs> but there absolutely are different techniques within Lean Six Sigma which help you take your problem statement, break that down into lots of different areas. What's the root cause? What could be causing this? And that just means that when you're putting in a solution, you know that your solution is actually going to resolve the problem at its root cause and that's even without looking at the process so there are so many tools and I mean I'm, I'm yet to sort of meet a, a business that doesn't have a problem statement somewhere. <laughs> no I absolutely agree every business can be continually improving or fixing things or whatever and even if they almost culturally rail against process sometimes that can be some of the problem and, and a bit of process might might help along the way so far we've covered loads and loads of stuff and was you know some really helpful tools and techniques and rather than overwhelming our listeners with all the different things you can do in there if someone has had their interest sparked by this where would you recommend someone start to explore a little bit more about Lean Six Sigma? I mean, there's so much information on the internet um, all out there. You can find out about the Toyota way. You could buy the book and read about the Toyota way. There are lots and lots of books about Lean Six Sigma out there. Um, there's a book by a man called Patrick Adams, who I follow on LinkedIn, called The Continuous Improvement Trap. 
and that's got some really great information in there. So there's so many free resources out there. Or if you're interested in actually learning a bit more about taking the course in Lean Six Sigma and, and getting sort of your yellow or green belt, then that's something you can explore as well. So there's lots of organisations out there that do that. There are probably even some bite-sized free courses on Lean Six Sigma, maybe some YouTube videos. And obviously we deliver the Yellow Belt Lean Six Sigma training. So if anyone's directly interested in that, then they can absolutely reach out. Um, so plenty of tools and um, sort of resources out there to be able to help people start their journey of continuous improvement. And what's next for you on your journey, your Lean Six Sigma discovery? You know, where, where next for you? <laughs> So I'm actually a green belt and I'm really looking forward to starting my black belt. But I think I'll probably want to do a few more different projects first within my consultancy role. Um, maybe something a bit longer term and really meaty, <laughs> a really meaty project that, you know, everything's a complete mess. And I can really get stuck into and start bringing in all these different tools and techniques. So um, for me, I want to get some more experience in my consultancy role. I'd love to you know, work on a project maybe outside of facilities management because I have solely worked in facilities management so far. So I'd love to broaden my experience wider than that. And then I will absolutely be looking to get my black belt and then one day the master black belt. Brilliant. And if anyone, any of our listeners want to sort of keep in touch or find out more about you, what's the best way of them doing that? So the best way to get in touch with me would absolutely be through LinkedIn. So Olivia Chalmers um, and yeah, absolutely just ping me a message or just send me a connection request. And yeah, anyone who wants to get involved in the lean and continuous improvement conversation. I love talking about it. I love talking about processes, as you can tell, and um, areas of improvement. So, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn. And we'll make sure that your contact details on LinkedIn are in the show notes below the episode. So, Olivia, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been really, really interesting and useful. And, you know, I think some really practical insights into tools that anyone can take into their role to help either fix a problem, identify the root cause of a problem, or, you know, again, as you said, get lots of different teams into a room solving a problem to make that business better. So, yeah, really enjoyed having you on the episode. Thank you very much. It's been great being here. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you've not already done so, please follow our podcast. And if the learning effect can help you and your organisation, please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.